The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going and Raw, we discuss the new weed bill, the seasonality of August, and mentality when your swings are down. Pennies Going in Raw. Featuring Dan, Deity at Dips, and Hugh Honey. New intro under construction. This episode is brought to you by Benzinga. Benzinga is our absolute favorite resource to use when we trade. We use it for news scanners. We use it for float checkers. We use it for screening. We use it for just about everything, including chat rooms and and much, much more. But that's not all they have. They have YouTube as well. Hot Stocks Luke every single day has great guests on ranging from Ripster to Mia Khalifa to Gary to... To all the best guests you need to hear from every single day, all day long. So make sure to go check that out. That's youtube.com forward slash Benzinga. And if you look in the replies to this tweet, you will see how to get a discount code for Benzinga Pro. Make sure to go sign up for Benzinga Pro right now. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going and Raw. Today is Sunday, July the 18th, and... I know it says it's our 50th episode, the big 5-0, but we probably got like 80 under our belt now uh, because we still title titled them like 44.5 like idiots. We're beast of habit, so um, that probably won't change. But no, I mean, the market is, uh, it, it, it seems like we're going back to that thing. Oh, it's so poppy and droppy. You have it real good. Then you have it in Knife City. But I mean, it is still not the market for swingers. It's really... You know, it's so choppy out there on some days. It definitely seems like it's one of those days where you see good traders making a lot of money and you see newer traders just losing a lot. I mean, that seems so obvious, but at the same time, does that speak to the seasonality of summer? Yeah, I, this is still a really good summer. Like, I, I've had summers where I've made like 2% on my entire account throughout the entire summer. Um, and I'm still probably right around that area, but you know, it's different once you get to like a certain point. And I've had summers where all I've done is just lose, 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 lose. And that's because not only were we seeing popping and dropping, but we were seeing like 10% pop and drops. Like we're still seeing good action. Like Lizzie, for instance, had good news on Friday, L-I-Z-I, the ticker. Um, I think that was the, the 15th or the 16th of July. That had really good news and it flew up really high and um, it ended up actually ending the day, I believe like almost red. But the difference is that there was still an opportunity there because it still flew up high. Normal August is like, FDA approval phase three, it pops 10, 12%. And then it's red if by like 10% by the end of the day. So the difference that we're seeing is that we're still seeing things pop. And that's why all those swings aren't working inside the normal way being that like they usually go on like a day, like a week run or like um, even hell a month run. Um, like I'm thinking some of the bios and stuff, like once they get their approval, usually they, they start like a pretty decent run. Like uh first one that comes to mind is like ADMP or like MTNB. Like they went on really good runs after having good news. Now we're seeing them still fly up, but instead of making like those weekly runs, we're just seeing that like, Hey, you're getting 40, 50, 60%. And then you're calling it a day. But the thing is that what, what's frustrating most newer traders is that <laughs> most things are feeling that downward pressure. So if you don't have that news, you're feeling that downward pressure. And then when then you're starting negative, let's call it like 15% on the position. And then when you get that news, you're only actually making like 25%. And when you say it out loud, you're like, that's still a really good percentage point. But what we've been used to inside the last 60 months, that's like, what? Like, that's horrible. So it, it comes down to perspective and really just managing your positions. Like, that's why it, it, that's why it's so key that if you're going to swing or even on day trades is that you have a plan. 
Yeah, I mean, you you can you definitely have to go in with a plan in, in this market. I mean, there's no uh, walking into this one without a map and machete will get eaten by fucking anacondas faster than slower most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's where I see the difference. Like some of my... Actually, it's, it's funny because the, I, I've been doing a few swings without announcing it just to see how it goes. And they've been going great. And I think part of that is uh, is because... You know, I I love retail, but when it's so retail crowded, the second that um that it starts to go red, I mean, you have dip buyers, and then when those dip buyers get exhausted and they get red, so they first they see three percent red, and then it comes back, you know, so they're happy. But then if it goes red again, then those dip buyers become really upset with the stock, and they end up either selling, which just creates a domino effect of like a flush, and it's just it's just a big commotion. Where <laughs> what I notice is that when I'm just kind of doing stuff on my own and it's not retail crowded, it, there's a lot more fluidity inside the trade, and I'm seeing that there's not those big emotional red candles. Yeah. When when another thing is, whenever they're crowded with retail traders, you have to think about all the different types of retail traders we talk about: is yeah. investors, swing traders, uh, flippers, fucking shorts, people, penny flipping, and yeah, you can have eight different types of trader in that stock. And, and the heavier yeah. it is with retail, the more people you're gonna have flipping it. And you just you have to understand. Some funky shit's going to go on because you have 8 million people with like nearing double digit IQs all in the stock just because someone mentioned it, you know? Yeah. And so that's where like those swings where I announce them. I mean, I have to manage that those positions so much more because on red days, I mean, it's uh, spies red 1%. All small caps read 5% and these swings are down like 12%. Uh, and then on green days, everybody's like, bye, bye, bye. Like, you know, like it, like it's about to blast off. And that's not how I'm used to trading. Inside so the last 16 months, it's definitely evolved. But I, I think I mentioned it uh, when we talked about this before, but I used to be red like 20% on most of my swings before adding to it again. So I would let it get red 20% and then add to it once support was in and it started to show confirmation. So my starters used to be now they're now they're a little bit heavier, but they used to be like 5% of the position. And then I would just let it then I would just kind of like get like a feeler on. I would let the price action kind of tell me where to add. Now it's like I'm adding like one percent of my position because I'm just expecting to be down like like thirty percent from like penny flippers and stuff like that, and and that's actually worked really great. A really good example of that is any two or three weeks ago, um, first day. You know, I, I mentioned that I was that I was accumulating a position in this. It, it was down like. 13% like the next day. And, and part of that was because the market was red. And then all of a sudden, you know, it started to crawl back up. So I went in heavy and it went from uh, 218 to almost $4 in, in like a week, like something like that, or like 250 to like $4. So it ended up being a really great swing, but someone was like, oh yeah, like I got stopped out for like a 10% loss. And that's not how you can play plays anymore. Like you can't just, you can't just buy really heavy and hold. That's not working anymore i remember uh i wasn't in wish until the little downtrend started because I, I wanted to get into i was too cool for fubo and only played it like 11 to 13 or 14 and i was like damn i can't be too cool for the next one and you know yeah. i put in i put in a little bit at 13 after it hit 15 or 16 but now even as it hits like a 9 30 or whatever my ad there was not significant at all to where now i'm almost at a full position but at the same time, if it hard reverse right now and I don't add another share, I'm comfortable with that position. However, if it kept dipping, it's not going to break the bank. It's, it's all about that intro and not getting greedy with your entry position. Just because you want to get in something, you're going to hate the stock way more than you think you like it right now if you get greedy and toss all the money in. Yeah. Everyone that was like, oh my God, I've got to get in this because it's going to this price. Now you're like, well, shit, if it could just get back to my entry. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's really what it comes down to is that, is that you see the first sign of red. And of course, you want to add. You know, like it's so funny that we're greedy in the sense that the second that we see green, we don't want to sell. But then on the flip side, the second that's red, 
when it's going against us, we want to add because we want to get that lower average. But the difference is, is knowing when to add. And especially in like the market that we're in right now, where we were for 16 months, I mean, we saw like, you could just hold and make 50% of your account like every week. Like that's like, it's insane that we were in that good of a market, like that crazy of a market. And honestly, I didn't even like that as much as I enjoy a slower market because at that time, you know, there's too much going on. I would fight baby whales with a baseball bat to have that market back. Oh, I completely agree. I would... I would be drop kicking penguins in Antarctica and, and posting videos <laughs> about it on YouTube kids to get back no, to that market. No, I completely agree. But I didn't like the market where like just everything was booming. Like I like I liked it where where uh what was it in the beginning? Like maybe like March and April. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like okay, food delivery, okay. Yes, uh, yes. Cash cashless payments, okay. Uh yeah. toilet paper, okay, masks. Yes. Yes, where we went, where literally the market went sector to sector and everything inside that sector went a thousand percent. Yeah, give me that market back. It was the market at the time was like, okay, the cow goes, moo, the chicken goes, and you could be like, woof, woof. And he'd be like, no, 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 you still have eight more tries. <laughs> you'd be like, mm, bark, 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 and you'd be like, <clears throat> close enough. And then it'd give you money. It was like, it, but yeah. We were averaging a thousand percenter every five weeks like that's insane that we were averaging a thousand percent runner every five weeks and i'm not talking it wasn't yeah 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 yeah. it wasn't just like any stock it was like a stock everyone was on like it just dude that's that's where i just was like i'm gonna be in 40 stocks right now because if something gets bad news or an offering it goes down 20 percent. if it gets good news which they're all just making up covid bullshit with these small caps yeah uh they're going a thousand if the risk reward was clear it was insane. It wasn't risk reward. It was uh, reward or like slap on wrist. <laughs> we started to look at dilution as a good thing. That's how crazy the market was. Like we started to look at like, oh, they just dropped an offering the size of their market cap. Great. But that's a dip. Like we like we wanted a dip. Here we go. You know? And so, I mean, it's just insane. I love that market a lot more than just like we going a thousand percent on in the morning and then in the afternoon evs like that that wasn't my thing because i mean my head was all over the place wall street bets had different plans for the market <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah i do think you know it's interesting what amc did this week though uh you know could we be seeing like a little wall street bets comeback well i mean dude it it took a life of its own just a couple of weeks ago whenever it was like hey man i understand GameStop's done but uh i want to be at 75 dollars you know yeah i mean it really on that uh friday on friday it went i mean it bottomed out at 31 and i don't know where this came from but it went from 31 to uh 40 which is uh i mean that's a 30 percent yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a pretty good and now now we're hanging out about 34 but i mean that's a pretty good move i mean that's definitely that definitely probably had some shorts you know caught so i mean if it can kind of base here and start to make that move back up towards the 40s maybe amc makes another run at it who who knows you know i mean uh with this delta the other thing i want to touch on with this delta variance you know la is back on with mass what do you think about that do you think that there's a chance that maybe do I even dare say that maybe we start a lockdown again? Hmm. Uh, mm. I mean, this is how it started. We started with the mass in LA and then we went to, was it I New mean, Orleans, the, then New York? The, ma- the masks, uh, the mask mandate wasn't all the way over yet. And you had like 4,000 people invade the Capitol. So, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, genuinely, I can't see it coming back. Like, Americans are so, like, fed up about, I think, I think politicians would be like, all right, like, we should probably back off that idea. I mean, hey, I, I personally wouldn't mind. I don't really do shit anyways. So, uh, in Alabama, like, abided by these laws anyways. Like, we (laughs) just, we just found out about COVID, like, two weeks ago. The motherland just sent us the, uh. The letter by Paul Revere on horseback, <laughs> but uh, so uh, I mean it'll be really interesting because I was reading today that uh, COVID cases are up three hundred percent from two weeks ago. Get fucking um, vaccinated. And, 
then, <laughs> assholes. Hey, listen, I, I personally wouldn't mind another COVID market. No, no, of course. I, dude, I, I wouldn't mind the market dipping like 50% in a couple days again. Just give me a heads up so yeah, I can be all cash. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it would be really interesting. I don't think from an uh, economical standpoint, I mean, we, so basically at this point, what the Fed is saying is that, is that uh, before they were saying that inflation is temporary, now they've admitted that, yes, there is inflation, but that it was expected. So instead of it being temporary, it was now expected. And I don't think from the Fed's perspective, like we like we already blew our load. Like there's no like, hey, let's go. We did, <laughs> like, what, we did what? Uh, we already we already did our we already did the deed like there's no like we did we shot the bazooka there's like no more bazooka left like we'll i think a- i think i could have made all those sexual but yeah keep going <laughs> but my point is that i i just don't think from from an economical standpoint uh i mean we would be entering treacherous waters if we started to if if instead of dialing back the printing if we did another year of printing trillions of dollars i I mean the inflation we would we would be at 10 percent inflation in in a matter of six months maybe tops we'd have to switch over to bitcoin at that point (laughs) yeah i mean i mean at that point we would probably be at like 10 i mean there's anywhere i mean i think that we're at between five and seven right now so if we continued to print i mean we would at if we continue to print at like that maximum printing level, I mean, we would be at ten percent with our, within our eyes closed, and then it's like, a, it's, it, then now we're entering like like treacherous areas, like really bad waters. So I don't think, from an economical standpoint, that we can shut down the the United States again or continue at this rate, if that makes sense, of printing money. Yeah, no, I, I just, I don't think people would do it again. I don't think people would abide by it. You know, it's like people are just now getting back on their feet. I just don't know, you know. I, then again, like, if this was the bubonic plague uh, that bad, I would obviously be like, yes, everyone stay yeah. home. I don't want, like, the 60% chance of dying. Yeah. But kind of moving on from that, uh, the weed bill. Um, there was yeah. a proposed weed bill that ending the federal marijuana prohibition. Senators have just called for it with the new proposed legislation. And yeah, pot stocks actually dropped a little bit after it. Probably just like a little sell the news thing. Did people know about this prior? Uh, it, it was talked about. Um, you know, they, it, so when when the House and like the Senate will come out and they'll get pressed press conferences, there was chatter that this was coming up. I don't think anyone really expected to come as soon as it does. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that this will, you know, like they come and then they pass it. And by the by, by January 1, you know, everybody's like, we're all mail and weed and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, we're still probably my timeline is probably about a year from here and maybe shooting for the beginning of 2023 to where like it really goes into effect. That's probably that's probably what I'm thinking. Now, that being said, though, what they could do is, is that if they decriminalize it, then that changes the landscape for a few things, because that means that everyone that, you know, you'll be able to carry, I believe it's 10 grams, I believe it's 10 grams that you'll be able to carry with you without the intent to distribute anything underneath 10 grams. Uh, then you don't have the intent to distribute. Now, what that also does is that that changes the landscape for the jails, because that means that everybody who is currently inside incarcerated for drugs can actually have a hearing. That's basically yeah. what that will In mean. In 2019, uh, there's over 1.5 million weed arrests alone, 33% wow. nonviolent. So you got to imagine like nonviolent and lower level marijuana possession. Yeah. So you got to think all of those people automatically have, that's 500,000 people right there immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the other thing is that, okay, so if you just want, let's just say that there's like a, like, well, those, that, those, excuse me, look, yeah, uh, those, those are just arrests. Obviously all 1.5 million people are not still <laughs> incarcerated for 20 from 2019 for their, yeah. for their, uh, like two gram weed misdemeanor. So don't be coming at me. I know how the judicial <laughs> system works a little bit. Uh, but so, I mean, it'll be interesting because then, then like, what do you do with, uh, look, those gray area cases. Like if you're carrying, let's call it, let's call it like it's like 14 grams that you're allowed to without the intent to distribute. Does that mean like 14.5? Like, do you just 
Like, I mean, are you just screwed? Well, you know, it's it's kind of this the same as like if you're carrying around like if, if they find like point two in your car, like they could arrest you. Same if you're like sleeping drunk in your car and it's got the keys with you, you can get DUI. So I mean, you know, it depends on if your officer is like an asshole. But I think the one that I'd be like wondering about is is the people that got arrested for weed if they were on probation and they're arrested for breaking yeah. probation. But usually if you're on probation, it says you can't be around drugs and like other shit like that anyways. Uh, I was on for like three years. Bad boys. Um, <laughs> I just kept I just kept getting arrested while on probation. So the judge was just kept being like, OK, more probation. I mean, this is what, so I'm reading an article from USA Today that says that legal cannabis sales totaled 20 billion in 2020 and projected to reach 40 billion by 2025. <laughs> Enforcing cannabis prohibition laws cost taxpayers approximately 3.6 billion a year. So, I mean, when you look at what this could do from, I mean, obviously this isn't going to, uh, fiscally, this isn't going to affect us like tr- trillions right now. But what this could do, if, if inside the first steps, I mean, what is it, 21 states um, decriminalize marijuana uh, right now? Uh, I mean, if we're looking at $40 billion with less than half of the states, I mean, this could make a major impact inside certain cities and states. I mean, if you take inner cities that are starting to struggle, that have high marijuana use and decriminalizing it and making it legal – if they start to see a massive inflow from you know the taxes of that, you could potentially see inner cities really changing the landscape. So this does more than just you know get off like a seventeen year old who's smoking a joint sized car. You know this could have ramifications to where inner cities are now seeing um, a, a influx of money that they would never have seen before uh, it, it, from this. And even you know I mean just like when you look at a budget, all of a sudden if you get handed. an extra check from your job or a bonus or something. That's kind of what this is. So this could really make an impact, especially because uh, with something like marijuana, you can tax it heavily. So when you tax it heavily, you know, those inner cities and those states can see a really good influx of cash and they can, you know, put that, reinvest that back into the city. Yeah. Fuck you, Richard Nixon. You lost the war on drugs, asshole. (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay uh going on into august seasonality and then we can also touch on you know mentality with this as well because we always say august kind of sucks um last august kind of sucked um and july you know is one of those months you got to build you got at least try to build up some cushion for august or at least not lose any money but it's been tough you know july has been a little rough uh, especially if you're a swinger so going on into August, uh, what do you think is something like if this is someone's first August or maybe just their second, yeah. you know, they because you saw it last year, it, we went from this crazy, crazy, absurd market and then they hit August and it was all just, OK, we have to exhaust now. We got to hit the brakes. But, you know, how, how do you prepare for it this time so you don't get caught? I mean, obviously, it's different this time because it was a hardcore swingers market and then it just wasn't. It's already not a swingers market right now. So there's less to get ready for. A lot of people are probably a little more cash. So aside from just the, the obvious. Yeah. Uh, so first off, if it's your first August, then you're inside the beer money stage, which means that no matter what, no matter if it's August, January, February, if you're new to the market period, you shouldn't be playing with more than like a night's out. Or if it's not a night out and you know, you're know you going to be a little risky, then it's like no more than like a paycheck. And that's because you're going to lose. Okay. Even if you have great success up front, everybody always pays market tuition at some point. And even, even you know, it's funny because I feel that a lot of newer traders, like the blackjack table, see great success up front. And it's once they get cocky that they're humbled. It happened to me. My first trade, I made stupid money. I mean, I, I like tripled my account within like 20 minutes. It was like the most lucky thing ever. And it, instantly, I transferred my entire bank account and proceeded to never have another green trade for like the rest of the year. So I think that, and that happens more times than not inside my experience is that I hear that people, you know, make some really great trades 
And then all of a sudden they try to size up or they try and scale in or they try and put more money into it. And all of a sudden they blow up their account. And now they go from, you know, they could have had five green trades where they made a thousand dollars in total. And then all of a sudden they put in $40,000 and in an instant, they lost way more than what they ever gained inside that three months. So that's for newer traders. But if you're an August trader, again, your money is the most important thing because you're you're like a baby. Okay. You got to learn to crawl first before you can walk. So put a sprinkle your money around while you're finding a strategy and just kind of let it sit. You know, even if you buy one share of a three dollar stock or or you know a nine dollar stock, whatever stock you're looking at, buy one share and just watch the price action of it. Because the difference with August, we always talk about may go away for these funds and for these algos. Uh, right now it's a little bit different of an August. Usually most traders take off August. Like uh, they don't even look at the computer. And that's their time to relax and and not even think about anything. They're all cash. It's usually not worth it to them. Now Inside the past year, we've been inside a really crazy market. So there's still money to be made. There's always money to be made, but this isn't as slow as normal August, but it's still slower than what we're used to. So that means that you have to adapt and evolve. And as a trader, you'll adapt and evolve, but it's about getting that first step. And it's about understanding that you don't know what you don't know. So Sprinkle your money around, buy a share, you know, try and day trade, you know, try, try, you know, try, uh, uh, try the VWAP bounce. You know, everybody likes the VWAP bounce. Try on a day trade, something that has good news, you know, comes down to VWAP, starts to curl back, buy a share, scale in, you know, take a target, sell and start creating plans because ultimately traders with plans are going to be the ones that outlast the market. Okay, traders that are unemotional and have plans, a systematic plan is what you should really start with. Now, as you get more experienced, you won't need and you won't want to use that systematic plan. But while you're testing the waters, it should be okay, I'm gonna buy one share right at the view off. My stop loss is going to be 2% underneath the view off. If it starts to curl back up, I'm going to scale in and buy another share. And my target's going to be a 5% winner. If you do that and you create a systematic trading strategy and you try out different strategies, the one that makes you the most profit, so that means that you have more winners than losers, is going to be the one that you choose. Okay. And obviously preference. And then on that, you can just get better at that strategy and learn more about that strategy. You know, you're not just going to walk into the market and say, okay, I'm a day trader. I'm a swing trader. That's not how this works. So create a systematic strategy, go through different strategies until you find one that interests you the most and that you have the most success with. And then learn that and don't look at anything else. Find traders that use a similar strategy and pick their brain. Uh, go back through their tweets, things like that, because that's ultimately going to be the how you become successful. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely one of those things where you see a lot of more experienced traders taking off but at the same time you always hear traders saying you know learn how to trade everything no you know you gotta be able to trade whenever wherever you gotta adapt or die so where most people may be taken off it's it's just like a day at school where uh you know if you don't need the study hall you don't have to go but if you want a little extra credit i mean you you gotta go you you need to study you gotta stay that extra month it's summer school yeah and and that's just what you got you have to sit there and even if you're playing with a hundred dollars or twenty dollars doing like one or two shares at a time like he said finding out what works for you knowing something doesn't work for you is such a big help like Whenever, uh, like, there's nothing more humbling than swinging something and cutting it all, saying, Hey, this was bad. This was a mistake. Oops. And having to yeah. sell it. And then you just have to not look at it. You could have sold at the very bottom. And now you have to watch it go all the way back up. It, it, exactly. And that's the thing is that I honestly wish that everyone could come to the market and their very first trade, they just, they just get smoked on. But I mean, I'm talking lose, you know, with small money, because if you if you get smoked on $20, obviously you don't feel like you would feel losing $1,000, but that's literally the point. That's the point. Like, it's always funny to me that when people start gambling or they start trading, that's when they have the most success. I mean, we talk about Tommy and we talk about Dave. 
uh, from Breed Carolina, they came to the market and they, what, they, they rode Genus from $3 to 11 I think it was closer to like 30 cents to 11 <laughs> That's just, yeah, like that's insane. Like I'd be out by like a dollar probably. So it's just insane that they have no idea what Genus is. They It's their first trade ever and they make, you know, what is that, like a 4,000% return or something? Like, I, I mean, that's, that's just insane. But then, you know, now those guys take, you know, a few thousand dollar losses every other day and stuff. So it's funny to me that that's when people usually have their most success is right up front when they don't know anything. But I, I really wish that everyone could get humbled in the beginning and understand that at any second, the market can come back and really punch you in the face. I mean, I, I get punched in the face from the market like... It feels like twice a day. Yeah. If you're a new trader, like, and you're going to, you know, you're trying to form your plan. Think about how much you're willing to lose, but don't just think yeah. about that. You can't just say, hey, I'm willing to lose $20 on this $100 or on five shares of this $20 stock. So you're allowing it to go down $2, $4. Yeah. You know, you have to also chart it to be reasonable with your amount you're willing to lose think okay if i'm willing if i'm going to this roulette table if i put down a hundred dollars will i be pissed okay so that'll be my stop loss but then you have to look okay is that right above view op is it like right 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 below it add a little extra or change your wiggle room a little bit but i think you know the most important part about all this is just entry size entry size entry size and scaling it yeah especially as the market gets slower there's nothing that'll make you feel better than the comfort of your starter size not taking you to hell as the stock drags you down with it. 100%. And I took I took two big losses at the end of January and February. And even still to this day, like I, I don't feel that I have the same size and capability. It, even like this is, I took a swing maybe like a week ago or two. And it was the first time where I'd actually added like really big size since those big losses. And so it's taken me uh, just about six months to get back to that sizing. And even though the nominal amount of the, of the, I mean, they were big losses, but even though they weren't um, like, let's call it like 80% of my account or anything, I mean, they were seven figure losses. So I mean, it, it hurt it, and it hurt my, and although it didn't hurt the account, you know, crazy, it hurt uh, my mentality, which I knew going into, like, I know, I know that my mentality is what makes it or breaks it for me. So I know that if I, like, if I don't sleep well, well, if I really don't sleep well and, or like I'm fighting with my family or something, then I know that that day, like I cannot really trade. Like I'll, like I'll trade if one of my alerts go off that, you know, something had news or something's down a bunch, like something like that. Uh, unless it's dire, then I just won't trade. Cause I, I can't, I, I mentally I'll lose way more if I try and trade. I know, I know that. Yeah, there there are days where I can wake up and I'm like, I know I won't like if even if I just make like the first three decisions, I'm like, all of these were stupid. Yeah. And I could fix them, but it's like something's not right. Why did I make the mistake in the first place? And it's like if I can't come up with a reasonable answer, and I'm like, I'm just not doing it right. That's the best part about this job is the self-control. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. maybe it may be self-control to stay at the desk and grind yourself out of it, but a lot of times it may be self-control to say, hey. I'm ending today with $1,500 down, but at least it's not five grand. So I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and well, see, that's the other component of this is that sometimes like you just don't learn anything. Like there, there's sometimes where, okay, like when you go into a business venture, like, let's just say that you're an entrepreneur and you go into a bunch of different business ventures, you know, you, usually you can take something away. But for instance, like SXTC on, fr on Friday, I was up like 20 grand in it, 25 grand. And, uh, and I was going to be done for the day at 3 PM. And I was like, okay, you know what? It like, it flushed a little bit. And I was like, all right, you know, like I'm going to take another entry on it and ended up, not only did I lose my entire profit, but I ended up losing an additional 11 grand on it, which I mean, that, that sucks. Like I go from up 20 grand to down 11 grand simply because I was greedy and I wanted to take one more trade on it. Cause I said, okay, look, this has really good volume. I bet this goes after hours and it did the exact opposite. It flushed like 20%. And 
that's the risk that comes with it. And so I can sit there and be like, okay, I don't want to get greedy, but like, will I get greedy again? Yes. 1000%. I would, in fact, I'll probably get greedy in this, inside this upcoming week and do something similar. Now I can work on that when you lose that and you can't sit there and be like, okay, I know for next time not to do this. Like there's no, there's like, I can't pin my head on you, it. Besides, You, you kind of had the same mentality going into it your last time as you probably did going in your first few times. You're mm-hmm. just more confident on it. Exactly. And so like, that's, that's where it, it really sucks because it's like, okay, I, I effectively just had like a $35,000 swing, uh, in, in, in an hour or two. Like that's, that's like half the average American salary. And I didn't learn anything. So like, that, like when I think about it in that perspective, uh, you know, it, it can, it can be frustrating sometimes trading because, you know, like I always want to get better and I always want to be the best. But the one thing that I've come to realize with trading is that I'm never going to, there's, there's no way to not have a red trade. If that makes sense. Like there's just, there's just too many outlying factors. Yeah. So someone said this to us the other day. It said, uh, if, if charts always told the truth or if charts never lied, all these chart experts would be billionaires. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that was, that was definitely an aha moment when, uh, when I saw that. Yeah, I mean, you can't always trust a chart. If all these charts were right all the time, every one of these people that say, you know, it's all the proofs in the chart, blah, 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 they would never, ever, ever make a mistake and they'd all have infinite money. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the truth. And so that's where, like, it, like, for me, like, that's the biggest thing is, like, I love to learn. So when I, when, when I don't learn anything or I can't learn anything and it's just like, you're an idiot. Like, that's you know, it, it, it gets really frustrating. Like sometimes, like we have the best job in the world, but sometimes it's so damn frustrating. Uh, so damn frustrating, you know, like, like one or two different moves. And I mean, it's the difference of like 10% of your account. Yeah. Okay. Well, moving on to the last two things, we've got a couple questions. The first was how to estimate the size of a pullback before the next run up. So the size of a pullback, I mean, like we were just talking shit about charts and I'm like, okay, so obviously you can look at the chart, but you know, like, like we said, there's a lot more to it, but the chart is definitely a good place to start for these swing trade dips. And even if you're looking at like wish, I mean, fuck, if it hits 793, I think was my add, add a dick load amount to, you know. I, you 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 see these levels, and that's that's how I kind of adjust to you know position sizing on my entry and everything, uh, because you never do know when the pullback is going to end. I mean, it could have news, and then it could just okay, pullback's over, time to time to moon. So for me, it's all like we mentioned earlier is for position sizing, and then just entering where I start to feel comfortable, but knowing if it gets to my level where I really want to add, I'll still have enough capital, and I can still add every ten percent down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think we touched on this, but there's two ways that I personally see that you can scale in and add, um, because there's no way to know, okay, this is going to be the spot that it bounces. Now, uh, trading is a big game of probability and with that probability also comes the pullbacks. So uh, we talked about support and resistance all the time. A lot of times the way that I like to do it is that I like to add on support. But I don't like to just say, okay, I don't like to draw on the, on the, on the chart. Like, okay, this is support I'm adding here because I could, I could probably do that on 50 different timeframes, 50 different supports. So what I instead do is I say, okay, this is where I expect it to bounce. So I let the trade go until it comes in there. For instance, Amazon is a fantastic example. Okay. I want to scale in heavily into long-term Amazon calls, but and because I think that it's going to go to 3,900 by the end of the year. But does that mean that right here, I'm going to start scaling in? No, I know where support is. I know support is around the 3,500 level. And so I'm going to be patient and I'm going to say, okay, it came down to here. Now, when it hits support, what is it going to do? So I'm not looking at Amazon until it comes down to that area. And then when it comes down to that area, if it ever does, then that's when I hone in and I say, okay, it's touch support. Now, if it starts to curl back up and confirm, that's when I start to scale in to the position. Now, I'm not, I'm not buying all of my shares right there or all my options. 
I'm saying, okay, this is where I'm taking my starter. Now, if it breaks down through support, same thing, okay? But by waiting for confirmation uh, uh, that it's going, now I have a, my risk reward is much better than if I just were to add on support. Because if, it, if I add on support and then it keeps flushing through, then, then I'm going to be down. Uh, where instead, if it tests support, starts to curl back up, even though I'm missing out on that few percentage gains, my risk to reward is much, much greater. So that's the way that I like to do it personally. Uh, and so I scale in accordingly. So I'll you know take like 20% of the position and I'll take another 20% and I'll take another 30% uh, as I do that. So the stock could potentially go down, you know, let's call it like 50%. And I would still only have like a 70% of my position because I always want to leave that last bullet in there. Now, Inside the same token, the other way that you could do is kind of what you were talking about is that, listen, if you just want to keep buying 1% when it's red, like you could do that too. So you could just like buy 1% of your position and then it flushes by another percent. And so every time that it's down a little bit, you just scale into the position. Now, that's not the way that I like to do it because I'm I'm more anal. Like I I need to have like a really good plan. But some people just like to do it like like on, on the field measure. It's down, boom, I add. It's down, boom, I add. But again, you're adding 1% of your position. So if you have a $1,000 account, you're adding like a dollar, like a dollar worth. Yeah, it's that trading around the position that we always talk about. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like you said, red, 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 add, 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 green, 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 sell, sell, sell. I mean, a lot of these, especially the ones that are packed with retail traders, you'll see them pop in the morning, then drop throughout, have a little pop towards the end of the day, and then a nice another fade out. And you'll see, that's why people, whenever everyone was in on SPAQ, which became Fisker, everyone would always say, oh, dude, if, if I was over PDT, I'd be I'd be day trading this like crazy, you know, in the morning, buy it so easy. I'm like, damn, go get a credit card, max it out and do it then. Uh, yeah. But, but I mean, for a lot of these, they're, they're almost right. I mean, yeah, there is risk to it because it might always not happen that way. But at the same time, I mean... You, you see them do the exact same thing a lot of the times every single day. That personality of the stock is so important. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I really think that, you know, figuring out your style because neither it's no way is better than the other. It just has to fit you because at the end of the day, <laughs> if it doesn't fit you, then you, you're definitely going to lose money. And that's why uh, the one thing that I will say, though, is that just always make sure that you're not you're not buying a full position as your starter. Like that's like that's probably the best piece of advice that we can give when talking about scaling in is that always have cash. And yes, it's frustrating when you say, "Hey, if I had gone all in here, uh, you know, I would make this much more money." Yes, yeah, sure, but inside the same token, if you go it, it, on those losing trades, if you go all in here, uh, you know, I mean, you're gonna be praying your lucky stars that you didn't go all in at that top uh, when it's down thirty percent and you have nothing to add. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having an entry and be like, I don't have any money left. Whenever I had a small account, like last summer, I would. That was that was just the worst possible having to sell something else to add something or oh, just not having enough. I hate that. Yeah, uh, we do have one more thing. Um, which is uh, setting up a scanner. Someone mentioned they want to know a lot of things. You know, we kind of touch on it. I'd like Bob, you know, for one of these. Uh, I think he'd yeah. be good, you know, adding some. But, I mean, for a lot of them, uh, you know, we, we mention all the time is just more winners than losers. You really do have to test out a scanner a lot uh, in different settings and different styles. Because, one, this is all you. Two, someone else that could give you their scanner, but it doesn't say, hey, buy this now. Hey, this is what it's doing. There are personalities of scanners that you need to yeah. know. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people like them low float anomalies. Uh, that's what Bob really likes where you have it. Okay, nothing's really happening. Boom, something's here. Something is up. I need to look into it. And then you have to decide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you're right. And and so that's like the, the two things I'll say here is that uh, everyone's scanners <laughs> are different. Uh, everyone's scanners are different. Obviously, you have like the ones on YouTube and the ones that like TD Ameritrade gives you. But for the most part, everyone's scanners should be different. And they're not buying sales signals. That's the biggest thing is that almost never are they buying sales signals. Now, I do have scanners where it comes here. And so, okay, now I'm kind of watching it. And then if it gets here where volume picks up, then I'm really watching it. So it's like a narrowed list, let's call it. 
but it, and and most of the time I will like if it's on that narrow list, I like it a lot. But that again, it's not a buy signal. You know, it's it's not a buy signal. So the biggest thing that I will say though, that being said, is that volume is by far the most important thing. It needs to be on your scanner. Everything else I think is debatable as far as like it depends what kind of trader you are. But I think that volume is no matter if you're a swing trader or a day trader, like a swing trader, if you see massive volume and the stock's not going anywhere, that's accumulation. So that's important. If you're a day trader, I mean, volume is volume precedes price action. So if you're seeing massive volume exchanging hands, that's a pretty good signal that it's going to make a big move. Now, whichever way, I don't know, but it's definitely, you can, you can count on it making a move if it's got like 10 times relative volume. Yeah, I think one of my favorite scanner settings is uh, having one that looks for whenever the Fibonacci is touching the VWAP with the MACD aligning uh, with the EMA on new high of days. Um, Are you serious? <laughs> no, I just <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of a bunch of stock terms and just so uh, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it's super, it's super advanced. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Uh, that's the other thing is that Keep it simple and then add to it, okay? As you figure out your strategy, add to it. And the biggest thing before we go is that this is a long-term game. Like this is – like I I have a few phone calls with like family friends and stuff trying to get into trading. And the first words out of my mouth are beer money and understand that this is probably a two-year game for you to even start to make any kind of money. Like I'm talking like $50. Like that's literally how I start every phone call that I take with uh, people trying to get into trading. Is that, hey, one, beer money. Two, this is probably two years before you even start making lunch money. Yeah, I mean, and once you get your scanner right, you really don't adjust it that much. You keep. I think I mentioned this on the last episode. It's like you first get the video game, you're setting it, but you want the brightness up a little bit. I, I don't like music playing, but I like, you know, I actually don't like sound in my game. Turn all those off. I got dialogue, <laughs> you know, so but then again, there may be a day when people are like, yo, the music in, in Stormwind sounds beautiful this evening. And I'll go into my settings and I got to turn music on, but I'm going to turn it <laughs> off after the mu- after yeah. I, I leave, you know, because some days you need other shit. Yeah, I so, can't agree more. All right. Well, um. We, I do actually have one, one, one more thing. Um, you were you tweeted last night uh, that Drew Holiday spelled D R E W is a bad man, and I think people need to hear your post game analysis of. Um, wow, I'd, I'd be interested in just knowing if you knew who the two teams involved were. You know, as a big, big, big. basketball guy, right. huge. You wore like, a Nick, mean, you wore a Nick shirt in Vegas. I. I- <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I was rooting for the Knicks inside this playoff game. Uh, well, actually, the 76 inside, this, inside this inside yeah, this. I mean, not game? this game, not this game. You know, the the the, the, the playoffs. The playoffs. The, yes, right. yeah, the play. Yeah, you know, the the cup. Uh, you know, I I was rooting for for the 76ers and the Knicks. Uh, both of them end up sucking. Oh, really, really good. I mean, those teams love each other too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just you know, I mean, it's because. It, it, it's just it's just how I am, all right? I'm, I'm right. a team player. Uh, but, I mean, last night's game, wow. Whoa. Uh, Giannis, man. What up? He gave the old Dunkaroo. And, yeah. Uh, and Dunkaroo. you know, Booker, Booker was playing, you know, pretty lights out, too, you know? And then, you know, I mean, Holiday, dude. That little steal with the, with the alley-oop to the... Holiday, he's, I mean, gotten, was, a lot of, he's gotten a lot of love uh, in this postseason. I'm a Thunder fan, so my, my favorite defensive guy is uh, Lou Dort. Thunder but. sucks. Yeah, they're, well, we're rebuilding right now, you know. So actually, because trust I'm the process. Yeah, yeah. Hey, y'all did it for a while. Now look, you're not great. Um, whoa, whoa, dude! And well, you guys, when and you trade MVP. Ben Simmons, you'll trade Ben Simmons in y'all, and y'all figure it out. Just, <laughs> we'll I, trade I him for a penny. You can you could trade him for Kimball Walker and a maybe a first round pick. Uh, uh, we'll see. If, do you think I, for I, Ben Simmons? Yes, values at all time low, and uh, you know Kimball Walker's hurt, and I think my Thunder would be willing to take on Ben Simmons, uh, his his personal rediscovery and 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 trip back to the spotlight. Listen, I'll let you believe that Ben Simmons is salvageable just until the deal's done. 
Okay. But, um, but I've seen him. I've seen I've seen that shot. Okay. I he, he should take a little not, corner from yeah, old basketball hue. Yeah. That's a beautiful <laughs> shot you've done. But yeah, no, I'm I'm actually re- I was rooting for the or still am rooting for the Suns this season, uh, because of what Chris Paul did for us last season. However, uh, it's not looking good after uh, you know, the the series doesn't start until the home court team loses, I think is the saying. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, Giannis is balling. But uh, yeah, yeah it looks balling. like looks like CP3 may not get his uh his ring after all. However, we still do have two games left, and I've got I mean, shit to do on this beautiful Sunday. So yeah, I mean we'll see. I mean I am pulling for CP, but uh, mostly because everyone else is. But uh, but to be honest, I am a I am a Bucks fan too because Giannis is just, Giannis and his brothers just seem like awesome dudes, and and I mean he's just playing lights out ball. So I mean I would love to. Right. Honestly, he, I'd be happy. Huge big big Knicks fan, 76ers fan, yeah, and Bucks yeah, fan. But he's also cool if the Suns win. He wants yeah, to make yeah, everyone. Yeah. He wants to make sure everyone happy. So, yeah, uh, yeah, everybody's happy. I mean, you know, hey, keep your head up, fellas. <laughs> yeah, stay strong. You'll you. Hugh's about to tell you how uh, you can turn your $124 million contract into a little Oh, my more. God. Listen, if, if if any of you are listening and you have an NBA contract, I swear to God, we will we – will, I will I'll be your, you I'll be a, your I'll be your best friend. Like, seriously. I, I don't care. I don't want to go to the game. I just want to – I just want to – I just want to help you. I, I, I don't want to go to the game. I, I literally just want to uh, uh, help you. That's it. You know, we'll open up a few IRAs. We'll get a little passive income going. I mean, I'll make you like a fucking like 10 billionaire. Uh, just, just let me look. Let me look. Let and me, and me look. I just I just want to go to the games. Um, yeah, he'll go to the games and I'll just sit there. With I'll be account. like, I swear, I'll be like a really good friend. And it's like, I won't <laughs> even like ask for stuff except tickets. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we do love you. Five star on iTunes. Don't get it twisted. Like, subscribe, and peace, love, and podcast. Bye, guys. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer, but you know what isn't a wild and hairy bush. So tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped using code PGIR for 20% off and free shipping. The world's starting to open up and the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, and two free gifts. The most comfortable boxers in the world and the Shed Travel Bag. A world-class discount into a post-quarantine world. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The package also comes with the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in both your ears and nose. So make sure to get 20% off and free shipping with the code PGIR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PGIR at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped.